You're listening to nothing important. Wow, that's yeah. I, I don't think I don't think I could do that for for me. You know, like Motel Six is as crazy as it gets. If I'm going to sleep somewhere, so yeah, I've uh, <laughs> I've seen too many horror movies to sign up to go into a dark room in Guatemala from a couple <laughs> right. I've never met before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, say, I have that in my basement right now. I didn't know I could charge for it. <laughs> Please enjoy the show. gentlemen this is the nothing important podcast my name is brian and with me as always is statutory dave dave how's it going today technically i'm okay (laughs) oh that's my favorite response ever so far (laughs) ah dave and i also host the Better Better Call Saul podcast, It's Saul Goodman, which you can find on iTunes and at itsallgoodman.com. Better Call Saul starts April 10th, season three. We're excited for it. So make sure you check out that podcast and our talk with many of the cast, including Michael McKean. On the third mic today is Jeffing Off in Public. Jeff, how's it going, my friend? All day, every day. All day, every day, indeed. <laughs> That's one of my favorite introductions, jeffing off in public. <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's been a, it's been an interesting 2017 so far. We've had a lot of great guests, and uh, today's guest is a super, super interesting dude. He, uh, his name is Trevor Bohm, and he uh, pretty much his life went to shit, and he said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to live this next year as if it was my last and put himself in all sorts of situations uh, basically to confront the pain that none of us would ever even think about, like living 28 days in darkness and uh, confronting like an ex-lover about what the worst parts of you were absolutely about um, uh, and even volunteering for a week at a hospice, which I feel would probably be worse than either of those two things I mentioned put together. That's definitely a situation that I'm not comfortable with. You know, someone mm-hmm. the last days of their life and watching or helping them basically ease into the next, right. whatever you call it, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> whatever you believe. But yeah, that's <laughs> definitely confronting death. That's kind of, uh, that would be one of my hardest things. Yeah, it's really weird at the hospital I work at. Yeah, seeing that or knowing at least a minor history about somebody or why they were there and then uh, seeing a certain list of medication come across, which means they're on comfort care, which means they're just basically there waiting to die. Yeah, you know, I, uh, every once in a while I think about that, especially, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not scared of dying, but I think if I had um, like an expiration date, and you know, like if I if I was in hospice and I was like, all right, this is it, it's coming soon, I think that would be easier for me to handle emotionally than. Um, helping people who know that their their time is coming up soon. Yeah. I think <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm not even like a real emotional or deep guy, but I, I think that'd be something that'd be the the hardest for uh myself to handle. Yeah. I remember you're reminding me of an article that I read in like men's health years ago 
and it was why mm-hmm. you should commit suicide every once in a while or something like that. Something about committing suicide. <laughs> and, but every with the guy, every once in a while. <laughs> every every couple of months. But what he did Just, is he, go he acted like he was going to, and like he went through the steps of the person with like getting closure on a lot of aspects of his life because he had rough relationships with his family, and he like he would like go through and you know make amends and like tie everything up. But then he wouldn't actually kill himself. But he would like get into that <laughs> mentality that he was no longer going to be around, and then every once in a while he's you know you should do that every once in a while and get in touch with people from your past and absolutely you know and uh, you know sometimes uh, I notice myself uh, taking my life into my own hands when um, when I don't even realize it. Like for example, today I took an Uber to the train station and I didn't even put my seatbelt on, and I was like, wow, like uh, Trevor has nothing on me. I am living that is on the cray. <laughs> Although, I just think eventually the government would be suspicious of all my monies that I'm moving around all the time, mm-hmm. large amounts of money <laughs> in and out. So, I'm you know that I, that would be a hindrance for me. I wouldn't <laughs> consider taking an Uber putting your life in your own hands. You're, uh, it's in the hands of the Uber driver. <laughs> yeah, but, but his you're, you're giving him could have been in his hands. Hashtag right, don't boycott Uber. <laughs> <laughs> You know uh, what, what aggravates me about hashtags is that they're like uh, they're like the March campaigns, except for lazy people. Like <laughs> if you if you if you are involved in a hashtag campaign, it, it's just saying like, well, I still kind of want to accomplish nothing, but I'm just too lazy to march. So hashtag whatever the fuck my cause is. Because I'm just a believer <laughs> that if you, you know, like at least like uh, like marches, like, which by the way. Uh, lots of marches out there right now, and it's good to see that everybody's getting in shape. Well, yeah, because Pokemon gotta, Go died, so people got to keep moving somehow. No, yep. <laughs> that's gotta, genius. <laughs> You've got to stick to your own resolution. So. <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about the Pokemon Go thing. That was genius. Awesome. Okay, so uh, so what we're gonna do? Did somebody drop out? No, I'm here. Or did somebody? No, that was my Bluetooth speaker shutting off. That's it. I was going to say, it sounded like somebody's Bluetooth died. <laughs> well, we're going to go ahead and give Trevor a call, and he's going to tell us how to confront our pain and what it was like to live 2016 as if it was his last on Earth. It's Trevor Boom on the phone, guys. That's how you pronounce his name. Trevor, welcome to Nothing Important. <laughs> Hi, Trevor. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Trevor. Hello. Thanks for coming on. Awesome. Yeah. A pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, first off, Trevor, um, I don't know what that is. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm totally getting a call from some random person. Are you guys still there? <laughs> yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, we're still here. Okay. Dave, go ahead and put that on the demo reel. Okay, so Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> first off. Uh, fuck the OG, my friend, and I think what everybody wants to know is pop-up ads killing the forum? My computer just crashed. Okay. <laughs> are you serious? I'm rolling oh, okay. again. <laughs> Start with right, the fuck so the OG. So you are recording? <laughs> that's right, no, no, we're not doing it. Nope, that was spontaneous. We're not doing it again. All right. <laughs> it was live. Damn it. Okay, so just so everybody out there listening, wherever you are, for some reason this has already like went off the rails and we've only been recording for about two minutes now. We've already had like a technical difficulty. I had to ask how to pronounce Trevor's name. I, I made an inside joke that I thought was going to be hilarious and like nobody got it. Okay, so here we go. Trevor, first off, it's, it, it's uh, 
we were we were just talking about your project, the the one year to live project, where you're you're basically, you know, what would you do if you had a year left to live? And it seems it seems like if you told me, hey, you have one year to live, what would you do? And I'm like, backpack Europe, uh, jumping out of a fucking airplane, and I'm going to go to a movie theater and be loud and obnoxious through every movie I want to be loud and obnoxious through. <laughs> and you thought, nah, you know what? I'm going to live for 28 days in darkness. Why would you do that? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I asked this question to a lot of people throughout the year. Like, what would you do? And the knee-jerk reaction is a lot like yours. That, like, you know, the, the standard answer is I'd go to Thailand and bang hookers for two weeks or, or for the whole <laughs> year. I, I would party. Um, but then I, I let people let it let the question settle and and sit with it and sit with it uh, and take it from your head a little bit lower through your heart and down in your stomach and. Uh, it's actually a really scary question. Um, so I sat in darkness because truly I wanted to know what was underneath everything. Like what happens when my whole life gets taken away from me, but it was literally as close to the experience of death that I could get without actually doing it. And found out very quickly that, uh, it, it felt a lot like it for the last week I was in that, in that room, I wasn't sure if I was alive or dead, to be honest. And I was like touching myself and like, well, maybe this is just a dream. And maybe this whole thing is, is fake. And I've died a long time ago. It was just such a mind fuck to be in there and not sleeping and not seeing things and not talking to people and, and the whole ordeal. I mean, obviously you, you probably lost track of time, right? Like, I, had, I had a basic idea of time or days from the food. So I was getting food three times a day on a schedule, except for the time they forgot about me, uh, which is a, wh a whole other story. Um, so I, I kind of knew. I was counting down, but uh, I stopped sleeping after about the first week, which is odd to think because you're in the dark, you know. But I would sleep for maybe a half hour, 45 minutes in the morning. I would guess, and then an hour or 45 minutes at night, and I'd be awake the entire time. So. You know, after week two or week three, yeah. there was a lot of hallucination and just craziness where I didn't know what was real or what wasn't real from that point on. How uh, that this all occurred in Guatemala. And uh, another question that comes to mind is how did you even find out that, that you could go somewhere and do that? <laughs> I mean, is that like an expedient? There was like a group on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, tired of the light, click here. Um, I had talked to a man that did 49 days in Tibet. Wow. And as soon as he told me this, he's like, yeah, I did this wild and crazy thing. Um, I, I knew immediately that I wanted to try it. And so I just Googled dark retreat and only two of them came up. I think there was one in Colorado and I had been planning <laughs> to get down through South and Central America. So I emailed these people and they were super cordial and friendly and had a couple questions for me and bam, we were off to the races. Wow. That's yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think I could do that for, for me, you know, like motel six is as crazy as it gets if I'm going to sleep somewhere. So yeah, I've, uh, <laughs> I've seen too many horror movies to sign up to go into a dark room in Guatemala from a couple <laughs> right. I've never met before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, say, I have that in my basement right now. I didn't know I could charge for it. <laughs> 
you know, one of the mistakes I made was watching uh, the the night before I went in. I was in a, a hotel in Guatemala City, and I watched YouTube clips of like haunted house, you know, security cameras, <laughs> oh, which was absolutely the worst thing to do. Because a couple times when I was in there, you know, there's no air movement. There's no, there's nothing. So supposedly there should be no noise, yeah. but twice something in the room fell over, like a picture fell over or something I had propped up against, you know, a sink had fallen over and you want to talk about terror. Oh, like, okay. You know, I'm a, <laughs> I was, I'm a 49 year old grown ass man. I have a pro fighting background. I am shaking up in my little loft of like, okay, what's in <laughs> here with me? How come I can't see them? What the fuck is going on? Yeah. They're not the smartest move. Yeah, I wouldn't still be in the room. I, done. I'm out. Heading back. <laughs> <laughs> Just go flying out of there. Yeah. I'll try this again some other time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that yeah. Once again, just a, a little, little too intense for me. But um, you know, some of the other experiences that you put yourself through. Um, one that kind of hit, uh, hit with me as that would probably be almost, if not more intense than that, is actually volunteering in a hospice uh, for three months. You know, like I made, I made the comment. I don't know if we recorded it or or whatever. Like, like if I knew the expiration date on my life, that would be easier for me to handle emotionally than assisting those who know that they have an expiration date on their life. Yeah, it was, um, it was a very transformative experience. And it's something I actually recommend doing because I learned so much about both myself, about life, about death, um, from sitting with these people and, and just spending time with them and realizing how vital human contact is and just the ability to be present with someone. You know, I, I asked one of the guys very early on, like, Hey, what do you want? What do you want when I'm here? Uh, I would go visit him in a nursing home. I was like, do you want me to read to you? Do you want to play cards? Um, what would you like? And he just said, I just want someone to sit next to me. Huh. And I was like, Oh fuck. Now I'm all, now I need to go outside and cry for a little while. <laughs> I just needed human contact. You know, the hosp- hospice's maxim is that no one should die in pain or no one should die alone unless they want to. Huh. And, uh, it was just a, a marvelous experience to, to one be allowed in. It was such an honor to be able to sit with people in their, their most vulnerable state and to be let into their lives. And then also for me to realize, especially because I was going through a divorce at the time and I just come out of a kind of hard chapter of my life to hear someone say, God bless you for just coming in and sitting with me. And that was all I had to do was literally sit in a chair and breathe. And I realized I was contributing to someone's life. It was such a, a beautiful thing to know that, okay, even if my own world is falling apart outside of this room, if I can come here and sit and just hold someone's hand or said, like, read a story or listen to their stories about World War II or whatever it may be, uh, I'm making a difference. And, and these guys, to be honest with you guys, fellas, like, I laughed my ass off through a ton of hospice. And people don't realize that, you know, these are guys and, and women in their 90s, but they're hilarious. And humans are hilarious. And, and that doesn't go away. I mean, some of the stories were just so incredibly funny. Uh, 
that I, I would be rolling out of there with like sore cheeks and a sore stomach <laughs> because uh, these, these borderline comedians who have zero fucks to give anymore right. They don't care, <laughs> right. Right, at, at all, you know. Um, one of the guys was uh, this 93-year-old World War II vet, and he would always tell me, like, you know, uh, my pecker doesn't work anymore. You know that, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah that's fine. He's like, but if it did... Every nurse in this place would be getting the gun. (laughs) You can't even stand up, (laughs) let alone do anything else. But yeah, an an absolutely amazing experience. Uh, As I said, I I would recommend if if you have an afternoon, just walk. It sounds crazy, but walk into a nursing home. It's it's a depressing experience, but you will realize how valuable you are to someone else just by being there. Absolutely. You can uh, learn about Trevor and his experiences at TrevorBohm.com, uh, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M. And before I let you go, uh, on that website, you can see the TED Talk uh, that you did. And um, tell us about that experience. How, first off, did you ever think you'd be doing a TED Talk? And secondly, how how did you develop um, how did you develop your well, I guess your your talk because like you seem pretty comfortable on a stage and you were very vivid and such where it was a professional speaker you've been doing for a while. I wasn't a professional speaker. You know, I was a CrossFit coach. And so I was used to being in front of people. And, uh, the long story short of that talk is I gave a talk to my gym about how do you use pain? You know, this is how do you skillfully use pain? Cause I could look out in the world and see all the ways that people were unskillfully letting pain, dictate their lives or the numbing of that pain dictate their lives. And so I gave that talk and a woman in the audience came up afterwards and said, Hey, you know, I run TEDx Santa Barbara. What do you think about doing this on stage? And at the time I was fresh in my little world falling apart. And I was like, there's no way I'm, I'm getting up on a stage. <laughs> and uh, she asked me right before I went into the dark and the, the beauty of it is I said, yes. And then even though I had nothing to write, on or could see, I wrote the whole speech in the dark in my head. And then I practiced it and performed it before these imaginary audiences. And it was incredible. And then I, I came out and then and I wrote it and I read it to her and she just said, no, it's not it, man. Not feeling it. <laughs> like, oh, <Jesus> Christ. <laughs> so it was back to the drawing board. And, and, um, you know, I, I sat with some of the experiences that I'd been through this year, one of them being a conversation I had with one of my hospice patients where he said, you can never outrun pain. This is what, what happens if you do. And, uh, experience I had in the dark where I was terrified one night because I'd heard something and I, I literally thought something or someone was in that room and the conversation I had to have with myself every day to keep myself calm. Uh, mm-hmm. so it really, you know, the speech kind of wrote itself and, and I got a lot of great help from, from people on, on the, on the act of speaking or on the, you know, how do you take it from this idea on paper and actually make it come alive on stage? But uh, true. one of the, one of the best experiences of my life was standing up there and, and, and delivering that talk. It was truly magical. That's, that's great, man. Nice. What is the uh, future hold for uh, Trevor Bohm? I know you're working on a book. Uh, where, where, where are you taking this from here, my friend? I'm, yeah, I'm working on a book and I'm just trying to get this message out of the stuff I learned this year, you know, about being present, about, 
contribution, about you know following your mission. Really, this year defined my path for me and helped me heal so much, not just from the trauma I had gone through, but I had to look at my whole life and say, okay, what what contribution did I bring to the downfall of my marriage, to the you know my business partnership ending, to me needing to get sober, to to all of it? Like, how did I kind of fuck my life up, and and how did how can I now go back and honestly look at the experiences and the things that I wasn't addressing and address them. And that's really what I want to help people do through a lot of public speaking, a lot of writing, um, some, some YouTube videos and, and <laughs> just get people living their lives on purpose, you know, and consciously that's really my goal from here forward. All right. Awesome. Cool. Tre- Trevor Bohm, thank you so much for coming on the nothing important podcast. It's been a pleasure talking with you. And, thank uh, you guys so much for having yeah, me. Thanks, thanks Trey. Trey. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. My pleasure. Absolutely. We wish you the best of luck in the future. And make sure to check out Trevor at TrevorBohm.com, T-R-A-V-E-R-B-O-E-H-M.com. Trevor, thank you. Thank you, guys. My phone makes the cool doo-doo-doo noise when people hang up. Boop, <laughs> Okay, so uh, (laughs) (laughs) those are like the Ecto One. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, there we go. That's the beep beep beep. All right, guys. So uh, Trevor Boehm, fascinating individual. I I don't think I could have done either one of those two things. I don't think I I could stand twenty eight days in darkness, and I don't think I could. I could uh, volunteer in a hospice. hospice. I, yeah, I just don't think it's for me. It takes a balls to do that. I mean, especially for a whole month to sit alone, which first seems to me like a complete waste of time. But I also <laughs> haven't researched, uh, you know, anything about it. But, you know, so maybe a few days, a week, two weeks, something like that. Yeah. And as far as he's going about the hospice thing, I, like I said before, I I kind of have worked in that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I know those places are always needing volunteers, uh, so that's something positive that someone could do if they really wanted to. Yeah, my mom uh, for a while was a nurse at a at a nursing home, and uh, I remember I used to go there when I was younger. And of course, you know, since I was like the kid, like all these old people would touch me with their weird bony fingers. <laughs> but there was one lady who had uh, Alzheimer's, and I swear to God, the only word that she could remember was diarrhea. And so every, everything was diarrhea. <laughs> and the nurses and such could figure out what she wanted by how she say diarrhea. So, wow. like, you know, as you can imagine, as, like, a 12-year-old kid, the funniest thing in the world was, like, this old lady running down the hallway saying, like, diarrhea, diarrhea. But she was probably just saying, you know, like, I'm ready for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Which is oh, probably diarrhea? not too far off in a nursing home. Cha cha cha. <laughs> exactly. One and the same, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, what? The? What was that? That was my computer talking for Weird. some reason, even though I have it on mute. <laughs> I've always had an interest possessed. in sensory deprivation, though. Like I uh, thought it would like, be cool to go to a place that has separate or. Deprivation tanks, yeah, and do that. I've heard that that's a crazy experience because there's something about the water that you lie in that adds to it or something. 
Um, you, I, as far as I understand, it's a saline water, but there's so much salt in it, you float. So, it's, yeah. and it's your same as your body temperature. So it, there's no, it's essentially like you are floating just yeah, in midair. Really feel anything. Cause yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I'm afraid of my own mind and sometimes I'm kind of <laughs> curious about what's really going on in there. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to know for a fact that I'm a serial killer. Like, I know it, but I just don't want to know it for a fact. <laughs> right. I have an, I have an idea. <laughs> right. All my right. victims know. But I haven't figured well, yeah. it out yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and Trevor Boheme on Nothing Important. It's Trevor uh, Boheme. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Did you call Justin Bowl Justin Bohell? <laughs> I, I, I specifically told him that I was going to butcher his name before I even patched him in. So, <laughs> so, so. Old TB, I, you mean? Oh, old TB. Not tuberculosis, but. <laughs> All right, Dave, you can stop recording now. <laughs> Be sure to follow Nothing Important online at nothingimportantpodcast.com. Find us on iTunes, on Twitter at NotImportantPC, and you can also find us on Facebook. Nothing Important is recorded with help from Third City Sound in Joliet, Illinois. Thanks for being awesome.